The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Good morning, everybody. Dick Gabriel sitting in once again for the voice of the Wildcats, taking some well-deserved time off to enjoy the NCAA tournament. We will talk about that this morning, both the men and the women, as well as all things Kentucky sports. Uh, of course, the Leach Report coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, which is, if you listen to my show, you understand it's my garage. Tom has a nice little office but our modem is in the garage at our house, so that's where my setup is. But it works just fine when the equipment doesn't die the way it did yesterday. So uh, that said, we will tell you that coming up today, we're going to talk with uh, my buddy Gary Graves of the Associated Press. He works out of Lexington and has also covered sports in, in several different areas in the country, including the the uh, Maryland, D.C. area. So I'm sure he'll have some interesting things to say about the NCAA tournament. And, of course, Larry Vaught who's been covering Kentucky sports for, I think, just a little bit longer than I have. So Larry knows all and tells some. So we'll find out what Larry has to say about uh, the tournament and the high school tournaments going on right now as well. Time to take a look at Wildcat News of the Day. And, of course, you can find these stories on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Biggest news of the day is what awaits the number 18 U.K. women in the second round of the NCAA tournament. They will take on a high-scoring, really good Iowa team today. It's at 3.30. You'll hear it right here on the U.K. Sports Network. Check your local listings for uh, your radio stations in your area. Uh, And, of course, it'll be on ESPNU as well. They're playing it down in San Antonio uh, Kentucky 18 and 8 on the year now after winning, uh, beating Idaho State 71-63 on Sunday, and uh, Iowa got started with the win over Central Michigan. They had the National Freshman of the Year candidate. She didn't win it, but the candidate Caitlin Clark averaging 26 and a half points per game, six rebounds per game, and of course Kentucky has who many of us believe is the best player in the country, Ryan Howard. So that's going to be a great matchup. Darren Hedrick will have the call on the UK radio network. Shifting to the men's tournament. Great news for Kentucky fans because Southern Cal beat Kansas. Now sidebar, Southern Cal this affects Kentucky fans in two ways. Southern Cal won 85-51. 85-51. That is the third worst loss in Kansas basketball history. The worst came in 2014 when they lost to Kentucky. What was it 70-41, to I think it was? Uh, that was that was an incredible performance by Carl uh, Anthony Towns and, uh, and his teammates. But uh, what this means is Kansas' drive to catch the Wildcats in the overall wins list has been stopped. So there are, I think, five short right now. If they had gone and won the national championship, they would have been tied. But thanks to the Trojans, they cut that short. So Kentucky fans, the record is still intact. Your team is still on top. Speaking of the NCAA tournament, the Kentucky gymnastics team, ranked 14th in the country, is heading for the NCAA's 
32nd all-time NCAA regional appearance. They are the fourth seed in the Salt Lake City Regional and will go head-to-head in session two of the second round against third-ranked LSU, which is the regional's top seed, also number 22, Utah State, and the winner of the first-round matchup between Temple and Arizona. You can watch live on ESPN3 Friday, April 2nd at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Baseball Wildcats got some nice news. Cole Stupp has been named the inaugural SEC Newcomer of the Week. All he did was throw seven shutout innings at Missouri Friday night. Five, and by at Missouri, I mean Missouri was the opponent. It was here in town. Five hits, no runs, two walks, ten strikeouts. This is a new award because they established it this year to honor sophomores who really didn't get to compete in conference play last year because of the COVID pandemic, which canceled the league schedule. You know, everything stopped right before SEC play, so there were no SEC players of the week, freshmen of the week, uh, whatever. So now you've got this award. UK volleyball team. Oh, by the way, the uh, baseball team takes on Butler today, 630. I'll have the call for you on radio side SEC Plus with Jeff Pecoro and my man Doug Flynn. Uh, the volleyball Wildcats open up a series tomorrow night with Alabama here in Lexington, they play on a Wednesday and Thursday. Kentucky still in first place by two games in the SEC. And it's senior setter Madison Lilly again named co-SEC setter of the week. Six times she's been honored this season. They should just retire the award and name it after her. She had a total of, let me do the quick math, like 93 assists in the two matches with Florida uh, Kentucky swept uh, on uh, Saturday after losing on Friday, so they split with the Gators and maintain their two-game lead. Lily now has 11 matches this season with more than 40 assists, 56 in her career. She is phenomenal. Uh, a sad note, Elgin Baylor, of course, has died. You may have heard that yesterday, and uh, he was 86 years old. Elgin Baylor, of course, a Hall of Famer, led Seattle to the NCAA championship game in 1958 where the, the uh, Chiefs lost to Kentucky. Elgin Baylor had 25 points and 19 rebounds in that game. Vern Hatton had 30 for the Wildcats. And kids, Google him, YouTube. Elgin Baylor was Dr. J before Dr. J. He was Michael, he was rather, a, yeah, Michael Jordan, I guess you could say, before Michael Jordan, he was phenomenal, and there is some argument that he invented the Eurostep, which some people don't like, but check it out. He was amazing. We'll take a break, come back, and chat with Gary Graves. The Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Welcome back to Gabriel in for Tom Leach on the Leach Report. And uh, joining us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline is my pal Gary Graves from the Associated Press. He works here in Lexington but gets over to Louisville, covers sports, covers news. A true renaissance man. How are you this morning? All right, Dick. How are you? We're good. Uh, how's your bracket? 
<laughs> I didn't choose one wisely this year because it, you know there was just so much with this season. You just didn't know about a lot of teams and and you know, whether they were playing their true ball or not. So yeah. I I uh, tapped out on that one this year. I'm glad I did. I was going to say wise move, uh, and I, I truly believe, and it sounds like you do too, that given the the everything that surrounded this season, we just never really knew who was who was doing what, did we? Yeah, I mean, you you can look at the at the Big Ten and and kind of you know realize that it's like you know at the beginning of the season I wouldn't have had uh, Illinois as a as a one seed, um, but you know I mean they had a had a a good season that ended uh, quickly and then you know I mean last night I covered uh, my alma mater Maryland against Alabama and pretty much what what I expected from Alabama happened happened to Maryland so. Um, again, it's it's like you just there's only really one team that that has been consistent all year, obviously, and that's that's Gonzaga. And you get to this point in the year where you know the rubber meets the road, so to speak. And and uh, I think this this weekend we really really saw which teams are playing their best ball at the right time of year. And again, how many people would have had four Pac-10 teams in the Sweet 16? <laughs> Zero. None. I don't know if I would have had any, although I did pick uh, USC to win a couple of games. I liked what I saw from that ball club. But before we get into the teams that are doing well, let me let me throw a couple questions at you about Kentucky because you've covered uh, UK for a while now. And I've covered it forever. This is the strangest season that I ever covered, Gary. And not just because of the record, but just because of the fact that it was a talent-laden roster on paper. And, of course, the the best returning player and the best, perhaps, player in the freshman class played together once. But beyond that, they kept losing in a maddening, maddening league. I'm not even going to try. It was maddening the way they kept losing uh, – you know, in the last four minutes, almost every time they lost. Uh, how did you see it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the strangest thing. Um, I mean, one thing I, I could say, I, I never thought Kentucky would be predictable like that. I mean, yeah. all the years that that you know that I've been here, I mean, I've seen them lose games that they, I've seen them lose winnable games, um, just. You know, just because of, of, of weird circumstances, but I've never seen it in a pattern like this past season, where you got to the you know five minute, four minute mark, and you just wondered, okay, how is this one going to slip away? And you know, even with the you know with with their last game, I mean, it was just kind of a microcosm of, of the season, and I don't think I've ever seen that, and never expected to see that with Kentucky. No, no absolutely not. You know, and now Calipari is basically, you know, watching three guys go pro, although uh, one or two of them may come back. And actually, at least I think just one has a chance to come back. Uh, so he's looking at another rebuild, isn't he? Yeah, I I, I think the upside for, for this is that um, hopefully this summer they'll have time together to, to establish that chemistry like they have in past years. And... And really, I, I, I think if you look at this whole season, and, and it might sound kind of cliched or whatever, you know, but all the times that he has said it, um, but but he was right that um, any team, no no team is worth anything without a little chemistry, 
And this team never really got a chance to develop chemistry. No. And even during, um, I think, one of uh, maybe that first um, three-game winning streak where it seemed like they were coming together, you know, we all realized that that, you know, that, that offered hope, but, but it wasn't any kind of sign of consistency. And you saw that, again, you know, just kind of borne out over the, the, the rest of the season where it just seemed like they could never really get it together, that they just seemed out of sync. Some guys just played, some, some guys played well on one end and not well on the other end. And, and they just could not put it together on, on both ends. And, and I just think if he's got another rebuilding job, it's more to, to really build chemistry yeah. and, uh, and, and get them in, uh, to buy into his system. Um, a, a lot of them, uh, just, just seem like they just, they really just look out of sorts trying to yeah. understand what he was trying to do and what they were trying to do with each other. We're talking with Gary Graves of the AP. We'll have more with Gary when we come back. You're listening to the Leach Report. Nick Averlin for the Voice of the Wildcats. We're talking with Gary Graves of the Associated Press on the Kentucky HempWorks.com hotline. Gary, you mentioned the Maryland-Alabama game, and Alabama seems to be playing to form I'm skeptical. I was skeptical going into the tournament thinking that Alabama needs to stay hot and hit shots that it's hit most of the year to win this thing. But I I remembered thinking, don't forget about their defense. And we saw a lot of that last night, didn't we? Yeah. You know, last night was such a weird game um, from from a standpoint that I looked at some of the stats and, and, you know, I mean, both teams shot 53%, which kind of – blows a hole in the whole thing about Alabama's defense. But, of course, they dominated the boards, mm-hmm. and that gave them a whole lot of opportunities to, you know, to go on the break, to um, to get the ball in, 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 in the right hands. And you, you saw what they did, um, you, know, when, you know, when you got it in, you know, Shackelford's hands and, you know, Quinn Early's hands. Uh, the, the thing, I think the thing that always scares me about um, three-point shooting teams, or teams that rely on it like that, is that they have a game like they did against Iona. I mean, they won, but they were only like five or sixteen. Yeah. And all it takes is a team that can, re- you know, that that gears up to try to slow them down and and really just like disrupt their flow, um, where they're, they're they might be taking more desperation three pointers, or you know, they're working deeper into the clock. Uh, before they shoot, and uh, as you get to this 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 round, like like to me, UCLA is 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 a tough matchup for them in in, in that regard. Um, and uh, speaking of UCLA, you know we we saw a former Kentucky player, uh, yeah, you know, from, you know, kind of find his game uh, out out there, and uh, you, it makes you kind of wonder what might have been had had he stayed. Um, and and really, you know, good good for him because because uh, he seems to really be fitting in that system, but. You know, again, it's like with with Alabama, um, it's it, it's one of those things where obviously, you know, it's when when they're on, they're unstoppable, and I don't care what Maryland could have thrown at them last night. <laughs> Maryland actually plays good defense, uh, but there was nothing that Maryland could do to slow them down. And when it's on, it's really on, and all it takes is maybe one or two 
or in the case last night where they hit five in a row, five three-pointers in a row that blew the game open, yeah, that's yeah. where it's really, really dangerous. Yeah. And, and I think that was the game that kind of got them back on track to doing what they do best. I got about 90 seconds left. And since we're talking SEC, I really like Arkansas coming into this tournament. Uh, and still alive, but uh, what do you think of their chances? You know, I, I I still like their chances. I still don't think we've seen Arkansas's best game yet. Really? I, mean, it, 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 I hope that that you understand what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, um, I mean, it, you know, what happened to the SEC tournament? I think was, was, was you know was, was what it was because those teams you know have that familiarity. But I think now that they're in a on a different landscape, you know, they're they're doing these you know one and out matchups. That I, I really think that that kind of gives them a little bit more. Freedom and an ability to show, you know, show what they're about, and you know, much like 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 with Alabama, um, that when you know when their defense is is on and they're off, you know, and they're making shots, yeah, they're they're very very dangerous. Yeah, well, and like I said, I think that uh, they've got a shot because they can figure things out. They they've you know beaten teams at their own game and and like Alabama I think they're tough physically and mentally so I like their chances uh I appreciate your time sir and uh, next time we chat whether it's on this show or mine we need to talk some spring football because we're just about well we are there we don't get a chance to go watch it but there's a lot to talk about thanks my man all right hey thanks for having me have a good one that's Gary Graves of the Associated Press and if you missed last night's uh action you may have seen that the SEC, as uh, Gary said, Alabama over Maryland and looked really good knocking down shots. That Michigan-LSU game was a great game. In fact, LSU had you know a five, seven-point lead at one point. They, both teams went on runs back and forth. But at the worst time, speaking of Alabama shooting, at the worst possible time, meaning around the four-minute mark, LSU went stone cold, started forcing shots, and really took itself out of the game. And the problem, of course, there is if you if you're in a game full of runs and you have a cold streak, there's not enough time to climb back in. Michigan's the real thing. And former UK assistant Leonard Hamilton back in the Sweet 16 for the third year in a row with Florida State. Back with more of the Leach Report. Welcome back to the Leach Report, brought to you by Wild Eggs. And uh, we are blessed once again to go back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline, where we find Larry Vaught, who is a regular voice you hear on this program, as well as the Sunday morning show here in Lexington. How are you this morning, sir? Couldn't be any better, Dick. Thank you. Are you uh, like the rest of America with a bracket that's in tatters, or did you even fill one out this year? No, no, I normally don't even fill out a bracket. I never did when I was working, covering Kentucky. I just never did. So this year I didn't see any big inclination to to fill one out. I thought Gonzaga was head and shoulders above everybody. So I thought, let's just don't fill one out and just enjoy the tournament. How surprised are you, Larry, by the collapse of the Big Ten and the rise of the Pac-12? Probably much more surprised by the rise of the the Pac-12. And it's simply because more I didn't get to watch them play a whole lot. It was just going on what I was reading more than anything else. But when you watch those teams play, they've all looked pretty legit. Yeah. I mean, that had been a big surprise. And, again, I've never been a huge Big Ten fan, so the fact that they have not done well is not a huge shock to me at all. 
We never really got a chance, though, to figure out what was going on in college basketball this year, did we, with the with the you know the COVID pauses and the limited schedules and things like that? No, it made it hard. You didn't get some of the matchups that you would normally get and be able to to see different things. It's just hard to get a grasp on what has happened and, and might still happen. I mean, I think probably any of the sixteen teams left could could be a team that could have a chance to get to the Final Four. Now, I've still not seen anybody play that I think is going to beat Gonzaga, but I guess it could still happen. No, I agree with you completely. And people like to knock Gonzaga for uh, uh, the conference it plays in, but, you know, there have been a lot of years where a team has risen from a conference where the bottom half isn't much, but the team that wins it certainly is. So uh, let me shift you back over to Kentucky. You know, we all know about how difficult this year has been. But, you know, within the last week to 10 days, almost as expected, Calipari has, has had three players announced they were going. And I think the most interesting thing of all, and tell me if you agree, is that Isaiah Jackson noticeably left that door open that he might come back. And of late, I know that a lot of the experts call him a a lottery pick, but, you know, he's gathering information, and there's a shot we'll see him in a Kentucky uniform next next year. Yeah, if there was one of the three that you thought would for sure be the one, maybe say, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and get an agent because yeah. I know I'm going, it would probably would have been him, and the other two might have gathered information. And I don't know whether Isaiah's just taking what would, would normally be a, a sensible approach, put your name in there, get your feedback, and then decide, what to do? I mean, I, I still can't imagine that his feedback is not going to be pretty, pretty good, uh, and good enough that he's going to go ahead and and leave because there's going to be too much money involved if he keeps hearing, yeah, you're going to be somewhere in those top twelve, fourteen, fifteen picks. But but again, it's just uh, I guess a different mindset, and certainly tells you that all the speculation that. Terrence Clark and Brandon Boston knew they were going to the NBA before they ever played their sure. first game at Kentucky is probably absolutely correct. Yeah, you know, and that's not a surprise. But to go out the way they did was really bizarre, I think. And I think the one thing we learned about Brandon Boston, Larry, is that he's just not physically strong enough to really compete at the highest level of college basketball, much less the NBA. You know what I mean? No, the two folks that I trust the most with NBA contacts and, and knowledge have told me there's that there's no way Boston doesn't spend at least a year in the G League and yeah. probably two years in the G League to get to where he can have a chance to compete. And one of them is pretty convinced that uh, Boston can eventually be a good NBA player. The other one, not so much. Really? No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, they still question his shot and still say, well, you kind of project what he's going to do when he adds muscle and he adds strength, but some of the athleticism he has now, how do you know that will translate over to when he does add muscle and strength? So it's just kind of interesting to see the even the differences of opinions among two guys that know a whole lot more about basketball than me, and uh, one of them thinks he will be you know, probably an early second-round pick the other one thinks he'll be near the end of the second round. Wow. Interesting. That's that's really fascinating. Well, we'll keep, obviously, everybody here will keep an eye on that, uh, as well as Calipari's team coming in next year, which, again, will be different. Uh, it's not exactly a total rebuild, 
But, Larry, do you think he'll change? As so many people have said, he's got to change the way he plays, you know, inside out. Alabama has changed the game the way Golden State did. Do you think Calipari changes the way he coaches basketball in terms of how his teams play? I think he will maybe change a, a little bit, Dick, but I think being somebody who, and again, I'm a few years older than John Calipari, so I don't want to lump him into the old guy category like me, but <laughs> I think sometimes as we get older and we've had success doing something, it's hard to just totally abandon what we have done before. I think he'll, he's going to have to make some adjustments, but I also think he believes that when things are good, his, he can still win and do things the way that he has. And so I don't think he's just going to sell out and suddenly have a team that will shoot 43-point shots and start five guards or something like that. I just don't think he's going to do that. Now, will he? I've heard people tell me, well, he's going to get ready to change his approach. He's going to have a bunch of guys that are going to stay three and four years. Well, we will see about that. I think he's still going to try to recruit the very best freshman that he can recruit. And I think the transfer portal is where he's really going to change things. I think that became obvious when he hired Jay Lucas. I'm sure you were probably on the very first call that we did with Jay. And Jay said one of the things he was there for was to start getting a feel for what was going to happen on this transfer portal became wide open. And that was, what, seven months ago. So that's not like that wasn't something John was already not thinking about even before this season started. Absolutely agree with you, and I like to call it the waiver wire. Uh, you know, yeah. and it was vital for uh, Rick Pitino's championship teams, and uh, and Calipari's used it as well. So, yeah, that, I absolutely agree with that. And uh, you've already seen one transfer come in from West Virginia and definitely more on the way. More coming up with Larry Vaugh. We will take a break. You're listening to The Leach Report. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Dick Gabriel in for the voice of the Wildcats. We are chatting with veteran sports writer Larry Vaught on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Larry's already admitted to being a few years older than John Calipari. So am I. Uh, Larry, I think you've got me on the, on the U.K. beat by a year or so. When did you cover your first U.K. game? My first UK game as a uh, full-time media member was in 1975. Yeah, I was in. I was writing for the Colonel and covered one in '74, but I don't know if that counts or not. But uh, yeah, you and I basically parallel. And by the way, uh, we we talked just very briefly yesterday on the show about the '90 or the uh, upset, uh, 92 to 90 was the score in 1975 when Kentucky beat Indiana and Bob Knight. Where were you when they played that game? I was actually watching that one on uh, on TV. That's before I got venturesome or, or, or started covering Kentucky full-time enough to, to go on the NCAA beat. But, yeah, I still remember watching that game, one of the best games ever. And what was even better was just the reaction from every U.K. fan that, that you knew anywhere you went after the game. <laughs> that's all anybody wanted to talk about. That's all that was talked about. That, you know, whether it was church the next day, grocery store, the bank, just being out, that's all anybody wanted to talk about. Yeah, and as I recall, and I was actually at the game because I was writing for the Colonel, and uh, and I kept hearing when I got home that the telecast, it was one of the first games where the producer and director decided every other shot was going to be Bob Knight's wife 
uh, at the time. And they, they kept showing shots of her anguish to the point where Kentucky fans felt sorry for her. I don't know that I remember any of my friends quite going that far. <laughs> I remember a lot more of them being upset that she got so much yeah, airtime, air but, but 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 she did. That was kind of like you say, the first time something like that had really been shown that much on TV. But it was a huge story. Kentucky winning, and you understand why the TV folks are doing what they did. Sure, yeah, and that's what's interesting. If Gonzaga makes the run. And the, the 76 Indiana team will, will be reborn, and you'll hear the stories of that team. And, you know, they were within a couple of buckets of having back-to-back undefeated teams at Indiana. Uh, people forget about that. So I always remind myself when I hear the 76 team, and you might recall that Kentucky uh, took that team into overtime with, the, with that NIT team uh, in, in uh, yeah. the following season. So. Uh, it, it's just fun to think back on stuff like that. But uh, let me drag us back to the precious present and shift you over to spring football, Larry. And, again, we don't get to watch much. There's not going to be a spring game. But I think this is a fascinating off season for Stoops and company, not just because of the new faces and the coaching staff, uh, another quarterback, not necessarily controversy but competition. But, Larry, I, I am really interested in the fact that, that Kentucky lost so much on defense from last year, including Jamin Davis and, and Quentin Bohanna. And, you know, defense really, in, in a lot of games, carried this team. That's a big challenge, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I think, uh, obviously, a lot's been made of the loss of uh, Jamin, but I also think losing Quentin could be a much bigger impact than what everybody's wanting to believe or, or think about right now because you saw what happened a few games that he didn't get to play last year. And, and the good thing, I think they've got some options to, to replace him, some pieces to use to put in there, but we've still got to see that somebody can do it as well as what he did because he was phenomenal. Not only that, because he was phenomenal, as you know, he made everybody else better. And I think Josh Allen would be the first person to tell you that because with Quentin Bohanna collapsing the pocket, that made Josh Allen that much more effective, that much more dangerous, and and helped make him a millionaire, didn't it? Yeah, it sure did. It sure it sure did, and I'm anxious to see what uh, Quentin's future may may look yeah. like because I I just think there's going to be a team out there that's going to find and say, hey, we got a chance. This guy he he's pretty good and he can do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm really anxious to see what's going to go on with him in the future. And, and he's got such a good personality, it's so easy yeah. to like. Yeah. I think that helps him too. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, and then you also you look at the linebacker spot, which which has had some attrition, uh, you know, that it really didn't expect over the last couple of years. But you were talking about transfers with basketball. That could be vital when it comes to the linebacker spot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's going to be pretty amazing what they're going to have to do there. But uh, I'm still kind of intrigued, Dick, by the, the freshman they signed out of Georgia, Trevin Wallace, because I mean, you keep hearing mm-hmm. well when, when he signed, and the way that Mark Stoops kind of gushed about him—that's kind of uncharacteristic for Mark Stoops to kind of go out on a limb like he did, talking about how good that he thought he could be. And then when I talked to John Summerall, the, the linebackers coach, they talked about that you don't sign a guy like Wallace to have him come stand and watch. <laughs> and it was his job to make sure he had him ready to go because he was good enough to play if the coach could get him ready to play. So I'm I'm really interested to see come the first part of the season or by midseason, what kind of impact he could have for this team. You mentioned John Summerall, 
And I'm, I'm biased. We all like John a lot. We liked him when he was a player. He was just a great kid to talk to. Uh, basically lost his last year of, of competition because of concussions. But w- what a terrific hire. I mean, could there have been a better hire? Because here's a kid who played here. He is so outgoing uh, when it comes to recruiting. And then the coaching, the kids really like him a lot. I thought that was a great pickup for Stoops when it came to, to his staff. Yeah, I mean, and you were like me. You watched him when he was a player here, yeah. and know how he played, and and what what he was like. And he was a grad assistant here for what one year, or two years, Dick. I can't remember. I can't recall but, either. But I know when Neil Brown, when he worked for Neil Brown, and, uh, and John was coming here, and I talked to Neil, and one of the things that uh, Neil said was that John was an unbelievable recruiter. That mm-hmm. he was as good a recruiter as he'd been around. I thought, wow, that's pretty high price coming yeah. from from Neil Brown, a guy again that doesn't jump out on that limb too often. But I think we have seen over the last couple of years that John has a way of connecting and and getting players. He's gone into some areas that have not been easy for Kentucky to get players, and not only just got players, but got really really good players. Yeah, yeah, he's he's his enthusiasm, as they say, is infectious. So, uh, like I said, a great pickup for Mark Stoops. Uh, well, let me shift you back to the other side of the ball, and of course, the new offense, the the OC, running backs coach, and now the quarterback competition. Uh, it really is fascinating. But be, given the fact that there were so many changes to the staff, they're going to the quote unquote NFL style of offense. Do you think that really favors Bo Allen? Because I know a lot of the the fans believe that it's they make it sound like it's his job to lose, which isn't true. No, I I don't think it favors uh, anybody from just listening to Liam uh, talk. And I think you know he he didn't go out and get Will Levis from from Penn State if he's convinced you know that he already knows who's going to be his quarterback and doesn't have any doubts about that. I think he's going to have an open and honest competition that'll go through this spring with the guys that are here. Then when Levis gets here in the summer and they start the preseason camp, I think they go into that pretty open-minded. And I think whoever Liam sees that can handle it the best, that's who you'll have in there. Now, do I like Bo Allen's chances? Yeah, I, I, I do. But again, really have not seen Will play that much. And really, we didn't get to see Joey that much yeah. last year. I just know it's nice to think that you've got three really good options there at quarterback because I can still remember a lot of years where the options at quarterback you wondered if you had one. <laughs> and, of course, there were years where they ran out of quarterbacks, so uh, you're right. And I think that if you're a quarterback, what a great time for a new OC to be coming in because everybody essentially starts at square zero, right? That's exactly right, and I think that's a a good thing for everybody. They're all – Got new coordinator, new running backs coach, new offensive line coach. So everybody's kind of learning, as Mark Stoops said uh, last week. Even he's learning. So yeah. it's, got, it's an interesting transition for all of them. How much of a rebuild for the O line, in your opinion, Larry? I know they got a lot of guys back, but they lost a couple of really key performers. Well, I think obviously when you lose guys like Drake and Landon and just their experience, it's hard to replace because those guys started. A lot of games, but the good thing is they've got so many good pieces back. I mean, when when Kennard went ahead and stayed instead of going to the NFL, and when Luke Fortner opted to come back for another year, I think that is really, really big for them. And and the one good thing that uh, 
John Sarman always did was he he played different guys and kind of rotated guys in. So they have guys with experience and also guys that have practiced and learned from Drake and Landon that are going to step in there, I think, and do fine. It's just going to be different. The faces won't be quite as familiar as what a lot of us were used to because we've seen Drake and Landon since they were freshmen or sophomores in high school. So to me, that's going to be the bigger difference. It's not going to be so much maybe what the production will be like this won't be seeing two guys that you felt like were just your friends because you've known them for so long. That's exactly right. Uh, familiar faces and also Kentuckians, which is also always special. Larry Vaught, you can follow him on Twitter, at Vaught's Views. Thank you, sir, and I hope to see you in person soon someday. Well, I'm, I'm actually going to come to a volleyball game tomorrow. It'll be my first U.K. athletic event in a year. Outstanding. Looking forward to seeing you then. Thanks, brother. All right, Dick. Have a good one. That is Larry Vaught, and we will be right back, right here on the Leech Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. That'll do it. Thanks to our guests, Gary Graves and Larry Vaught. And a reminder that uh, Tom will be back tomorrow. I believe Tom will be back tomorrow, so uh, tune in then. And we will talk more sports with you here on the Leech Report. That's it. Have a good day, everybody. for listening to the leach report make sure you check out the podcast page at tomleachky.com whenever you miss a show and be sure to follow the leach report facebook page if you have a question for tom email it to leachreport at gmail.com see you next time right here on the leach report radio